those nipples there, Walter? this song make you feel rich it's very chill it feels like i feel like i'm like like in a very chill mood right now after a long 24 hours waltz is having none of this (laughs) well welcome everybody to the 85th edition of the Light Shed Podcast, Brandon Ross, Richard Greenfield, Walter Pisick, all sexy people. <laughs> uh, all COVID free for now. Yeah, so, for now. For now, being that's the operative because, That's because I'm at the shore right now. <laughs> Are you hiding out again? No, I just needed a break from New York. Um, but... <laughs> But everyone I know has fucking COVID. It's insane. Well, really, everyone I know who like did anything in public. So I know like and they know because they're testing because they're about to get travel or they just got some initial symptoms. No, these are all symptomatic cases Hmm. to start with, but not like crazy symptomatic, like fevers of like 101, not like the crazy stuff, flu like symptoms whatever you know right after our last podcast i went to jingle ball at msg and i was oh what date was that that was friday last friday oh see oh you didn't get covid there well that's what i'm saying like but i'm saying like nobody had a mask on i mean people had their masks but like it was body to body there weren't a lot of masks being worn even though you're supposed to wear the funny thing is they come they they announce on the speakers you will not be on camera if you don't have your mask on and yet like everyone (laughs) had their mask on like it was just sort of a funny because they didn't want to promote no mask wear correct they didn't want to be shown well jingle ball means it's christmas season and walt has his very christmassy background today Mm -hmm. trying to just elicit some response any response out of walt because he's so quiet he's just quiet I mean, if you want me to give you a COVID update in Pennsylvania, I went into a grocery store to buy some scrapple for soccer and scrapple for this weekend. And there was not many people wearing masks there. So I think we live in a little bit of a bubble in New York where people tend to wear masks a bit more than. And where my kids' schools already shut down for tomorrow and gone virtual. Yeah. So it's unfortunate. Well, that was good, Brandon. I like that. Unfortunate. Uh, should we talk about business? Sure. Okay. No, I thought we were going to talk about Joe Gallant. <laughs> <laughs> Walt is very, very upset with Joe right now. About why? What? I forget already. Oh, because Something. he's never been invited to Seven oh, Fishes before. Oh, that's right. That was that was the segue. I totally because we're in we're because we're in Christmas season. Maybe I got the COVID cloud going on. Yes, <laughs> we were talking about the Seven Fishes. Of which this is the time of year when I see many of my my good friends from high school um, posting Instagram and Facebook photos of their seven fishes feasts. I don't know if that's supposed to happen Christmas Eve or whatever, but I've always I've never been invited. I've never been invited. Brandon goes every year. No, I go to seven fish shows. (laughs) (laughs) If you if you want to come to seven fish shows, Walt. You're, you're more than, you've been you're more and you've been welcome. to seven fit and you've been to seven fish shows in a row the closest sure, I will, the closest i, will I got four in a row coming at the end of this year covid willing knock on wood do you want to oh, come so to one why don't you guys come to one of them the do closest I, have- I would do to that is to to perhaps eat seven fish donuts <laughs> preferably not fish flavored Seven. So any of our listeners out there that are in the greater New York area that want to invite me to seven fishes, I'm game because I've never been invited. I'm hoping that maybe one of my children marries someone Italian. That <laughs> Walt, I can Walt, Walt was lashing Joe about it earlier. I mean, <laughs> anyway, all right, let's get down to business. So YouTube TV tweeted out, actually, why don't we show the video first? Because this is the ad running. YouTube TV and Disney are locked in a carriage battle that's going to expire on Friday night into Saturday morning. Is this the video I took last night? I don't know. You're going to find (laughs) out. 
hand may soon be gone from your yeah, it is. I, <laughs> I do not have a steady hand. <laughs> That's so cheesy. Go to keepmyespn.com for more information. So what's interesting about this is not that there's yet another carriage battle that we get carriage battles all the time. That's actually not interesting. But what's particularly interesting is they're actually proactively saying we will cut the price of YouTube TV from 65 to 50 until a Disney deal is restored. This is the second time that they've utilized that strategy, right? Yeah, but no other companies ever. We've never seen that. It's not like you hear Comcast was going to lose programming and they were going to reduce the price. They've never offered that before. But the $15 is noteworthy because that's the price of the Disney bundle. And so you can get Disney, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for $15. And so they're clearly trying to say, hey, Disney, you're moving more and more of your programming over to streaming. You're basically making all of these channels that you're forcing us to pay. They're probably paying like $18 a year, $18 a month per subscriber for all of the channels that are included in YouTube TV from Disney. But they're basically saying, you got to keep paying us more and more. So the 18 out of $65 price point, they want more and more. And YouTube's just saying, you know what? We're not going to sign this deal and go get the Disney bundle because most of the good content is there. It's just a really interesting poker move. I don't know if it'll work. No, I mean, it's worked so far. What's interesting about these YouTube, Google, or YouTube TV carriage battles or or Roku battles is they seem to be winning every single one of them. YouTube's a pretty powerful company with a lot of ways to, a lot of important ways from a marketing standpoint. If you think about how YouTube is used, you know, not YouTube TV, but YouTube as a platform. You know, they're the, I mean, they're just a very large component of the entertainment ecosystem. And I, I think the reality is this one's interesting because, yeah, I can't really imagine not having ESPN be part of YouTube TV. Like, that seems hard to oh, imagine. It would suck. <laughs> right. Like, it's just hard to imagine. Like, what do you watch on linear TV anymore? Basically, just live sports. Yeah. I tend to enjoy watching ESPN on their app because it's much better and there's better function. I mean, YouTube on the watch ESPN. Yeah. I mean, YouTube TV app is great. And I, I am finding myself using that more and more, but when I am watching sports, um, using the ESPN app directly is definitely a better, but you need to authenticate it. (laughs) Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's true. Right. So it's just, you know, I'm just saying app wise, I don't think it's in that case, I don't think YouTube can replicate quite yet the experience that I'm getting on ESPN. Maybe, you know, maybe Amazon will be able to do that when they build up on their sports rights like we talked about last week. I would be surprised if this battle didn't get resolved before the deadline. We'll see, but I'd be surprised. Shifting gears to Netflix. So a couple nights ago, there was a major price cut for Netflix in India. And there's, you know, obviously people are talking about the fact that the basically the five rupee plan went to two rupees. So like a 60% price cut um, for the basic plan. Uh, what's interesting though, is I think it's sort of a misread. What's interesting is the basic plan, which was 499, the standard plan, which includes HD is now that price. And the old mobile plan, is actually was 199 that went to 149 and so now you can if you if you don't want to lower your price basically unless you proactively go and lower your price you're basically just being upgraded to a higher plan than you were before so if you were mobile before at 199 now you're getting basic at 199 if you were basic at 499 now you're getting standard at 499 and the difference is moving from mobile to basic means now you're in a TV subscriber to YouTube versus mobile only. So it feels like what Netflix is actually trying to do is not cut price, but actually drive people into TV plans and into HD TV plans yeah. to increase actual usage and engagement. Everyone's focused on the price cut. And there's no doubt. Well, it is. I mean, dude, it is a price cut across the board, right? If but people then, choose but, to actually take the price cut. Right. And then the other thing about it is that most tele- most um, Netflix is still today consumed on the big screen it just, in the sure. US, all around the world. But from and, our good friends at Media Partners, I, they a- clearly think that they're 
their product resonates better on the big screen. And in order to cut churn that they need to get people watching on the big screen. And friend of the shed of uh, media partners, Asia sent us uh, some information saying they think roughly 50% of Netflix subscribers are mobile only in India. If that's true, if you could get a meaningful percentage of those subs to be TV subscribers and then spend a lot more time watching Netflix, big impact on churn, obviously just, you know, I just think there's, there's something behind this that isn't as obvious as, hey, we're struggling to add subs, we're cutting price. I think there's a lot more nuance to this that investors aren't paying attention to is my guess. Uh, I mean, that seems like a lot of spin, but I, I guess I'll I'll just give you this one in that um, if you bring up that rate card again, if you look at someone that was mobile that's now that next tier up, yep. they get TV, Basically. but not HD. So the only thing I might agree with you for, if we say 50% were mobile only, so now that 50% becomes basic, assuming those people don't say like, yep. fuck it, I just want to save some more money. Then it's just like, okay, do I want to spend, now that I'm watching it on my TV, do I want to watch it in SD versus HD? And then that's going to, but the problem is the differential between that basic plan is another 200, um, 300, 300. That's a break. That's a big fucking jump. It's more than H- double. It's yeah. more than double from basic to standard. But, but yeah. if you were spending 499 already for basic, now you're getting HD at no extra cost. So that is one difference. Okay. I guess, I mean, but then that's just a price the, cut then. That's just, I mean, you know, yep. so I don't, I don't the know. Other question I think, I I think have, it feels like you're doing backflips to spin this positive, to be honest, but there, that would be one way of looking at it in that you're taking a mobile customer, putting them on basic on, on the hope that like everyone has experienced enough HD that they'd be like, oh my God. I love seeing this comment content on the big screen, but this is absolute garbage. I just think well, that two, that 300 rupee jump is a bit steep there. Reed. There is an alternative you know, angle to get, to, get to HD. Yeah, there is an alternative. Are, what's the connected television penetration in India anyway? Don't or know. Or, 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 or even HD penetration, because theoretically you could have some type of device. It doesn't have to be. When you say connected penetration, you mean like. Either a box TV or a smart TV like or a connected TV, TV. overall, no matter how or a dongle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. But there is one alternative read to this, which I, you know, I, I don't know for sure, but it's no interesting. Well, yes, that's true. So as we talked about, Brandon, that we learned on our trip a couple of weeks ago, there's going to be massive cost inflation for the IPL, which is the cricket contract that's coming up. If you believe Disney's got to dramatically overpay for cricket rights, maybe 3x what they were paying now to keep cricket for Hotstar, Netflix essentially cutting price puts a really difficult position on Disney because they can't raise price to pay for the rights that they have to pay for to uh, keep yeah. their subs. That's pretty cool. So it's sort of an interesting poker chess move if you think about what's going on right now. You're boxing them in on price, and the only way they keep their subs is if they 3x a massive cost line. Yeah. I mean, with the IPL rights, most people, it seems still don't realize that those rights are not going to get broken up. They're going to get sold as one package and Disney has to have the package. So they're going to have to pay a lot for it. A lot. Yeah. (laughs) Should we shift gears to Simon (laughs) Flannery, Walter? Um, Sure. Rich. There's a tweet that we have on the screen for our podcast listeners from Barron's that said it's quoting um, Simon Flannery, who's the, um, I guess you would call him just, let's just say analyst from Morgan Stanley saying at these levels, we believe the stock is discounting an overly negative outlook. So Simon upgraded AT&T. The reaction in these stocks was, was aggressive. Like seven T was up 7%. I think Verizon, I don't have my screen up, but Verizon was up 5%. So like hats off to Simon for, for finally doing something that puts a stake in the ground, I guess, on these telcos that have been acting like shipped. I mean, I think the overall thing here is, I mean, I guess investors are concerned that look, telco, I don't know what's the problem with telco. Like the churns are not terrible. They're not spiking. ARPUs are fucking fine. Like when 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 wireless ARPU was getting destroyed in Europe, they were down 15%. Margins are fine. Like the telecom business is fine. And it sounds like Q4 is going to be good for them. And the outlook for next year is going to be good. 
Um, cable obviously has got some issues on the broadband net ads that have been the so fixed, so, the fixed side, right? So like, so I think the people are taking the telcos out to the shed, um, <laughs> because their concern is that, well, if wireless is going to lean on wireless broadband home to get some revenue growth, that cable is going to like slap them back by going after wireless. But I guess the question is. Like, what do you, what do we think cable can really do to accelerate wireless net ads? Because things have kind of moderated since the first launch. And remember, when they when they did first launch, everyone was like, "Oh, this is." Gonna, I said this last week, so I'm repeating myself. But they're going to crush the industry, which they didn't. So, what's going to be different in 22? Oh, I and know. Why would you just lower do. price more? Or send, taking or it down. send more snail mail. Yeah, and you fill up your fucking box with all. It's those the only thing offers. that comes in my snail mail yeah. box. <laughs> I mean, I guess they could they could subsidize phones more, and they could cut service. But let's keep in mind, maybe they're willing. I mean, maybe the issue here is like if you look at Comcast in aggregate, we've estimated they've burned two point seven billion dollars of cash on their wireless business, cumulative, and Charter's done more than that, probably three and a half billion when you include kind of handset financing and everything else. Um, so I guess they could subsidize more. Maybe investors just don't care that, you know, they're not, you know, generating free cash flow out of these wireless operations. And they're gonna and they're they're looking at it at a at an investor base that has rewarded Disney for net ads when they were actually able to generate them on see, on the streaming see, see, side. I, I, I disagree. If they if they don't get the broad if the I think investors are okay with the investment if the fixed broadband is solid. I think because they know it's not a great business, the MVNO. So if the core broadband business starts weakening, I think the tolerance for losses on wireless will be much lower. But I'm saying the opposite, meaning that, so maybe you're right. And then maybe investors will start looking at those, that EBITDA or lack thereof. But will they be, but what, let's assume that cable doesn't give a shit because they're like, you know, fuck it, we're just going to go after Verizon and T if they're going to come after, or T-Mobile if they're going to come after us. What what What's cable going to do to get someone to switch to using them for wireless in, in a market where like people just don't switch, like churns at historically low levels? And by the way, the cable subscriber base is now aging, meaning that you have cable customers that got phones two or three years ago that they're ready to upgrade their phones so it's about time that cable starts seeing churned. Like there's going to be churn on the cable right. wireless. Like why, why won't they see it? Like uh, the first year or two, you don't see churn, right? Because it's just all a gross ad machine. So it's even going to be harder for them to generate net ads because the churn, you know, the churn is going to start kicking in from customers that are aging out on their phones and maybe looking at, you know, what AT&T or Verizon is offering them in terms of free phones. So. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. We'll but, see. Uh, I mean, I'll, look, I'll tell you this. It, I'll tell you this, though. There, like, I know there's been a lot of comments at conferences. I don't think there's any material change in the growth of wireless right now. I think they're still seeing good wireless net ads in Q4 and the outlook. Maybe it'll be slightly or down next year. But like, I don't think wireless growth is just going to fall off, off a cliff all of a sudden. And we'll, I'm not sure I understand how cable, how anyone thinks that cable can induce that. So why the fuck are you selling telco stocks again? Like at dividend yields of 7%. Again, hats off to Simon Flannery. Good job today. We'll see if it lasts. Hopefully it does. So one of our favorite punching bags on the podcast is Fubo <laughs> TV. So it's Fubo, weird. so Fubo just, they bought this company called Bet Victory that Brandon and I probably about 18 months ago, we did a just sort of the middle of the pandemic that we did a, a, a video conference call with them and they were pitching us on their startup that they basically from zero, they were going to go compete with DraftKings and FanDuel and BetMGM and Brandon and I literally that's even laughed. Bef- that's even before ventures. I think they were yeah, no, no. To get we just met with them. Involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we literally just we, oh we took the meeting and we literally laughed and we thought this was an absolute joke with, you know, basically it was complete vapor. And we couldn't believe that they were trying to raise $50 million for complete vapor. Somehow, later that year, they got Fubo, who was desperate to spin their story as not a money-losing, secularly declining VMVPD, that they were going to now be a sports betting juggernaut. And they bought this company, and they bought another company. 
And they talked about how Sam Ratner was going to be the, one of the leaders of this company and how they were going to lead Fubo TV into the sports betting future. And in a very short period of time, less than a year, Sam Ratner today from the COO of Fubo Sportsbook decided he's leaving the company to pursue entrepreneurial endeavors. And so it's just to me, it's just this continuation of this BS story that Fubo with less than a million subscribers in the cable or the virtual cable business is somehow going to compete with DraftKings and FanDuel, which is like an impossibility. And so it's just amazing that all of these analysts that have been writing all these reports glowing about this huge opportunity in sports betting, everyone today is silent. No one's talking about the fact that the guy just literally walked out the door a year after selling vapor to Fubo. That's my rant. So why not troll them, Rich? I mean, you know, it's kind of fun to troll people every now. Are you just not in a trolling mood in this holiday season? I, I don't. I should. It's just I, I. I should literally find some of the tweets that these analysts sent out, uh, or quoted quotes of these analysts in reports, and just say seriously, like it's just the whole thing's embarrassing. By the way, I am so happy with Simon Flannery today that I pledged not to troll him or whatever dumb question he's going to ask on future conference calls for at least two to three quarters. So that's my pledge. Can I um, give you a little thing on Fubo? Yeah, sure. That last year, little being the operative word, <laughs> it hit its high stock price. It's all time high right around now. On, exactly. It was December 22nd. We're recording yep. this on December 16th. It will be published on December 17th. So almost a year to the date, $62 today, $16 and 29 cents. We well, shorted it. I think we got the short no, on at 53. No, you we didn't, didn't short, short it, Rich. Rich. Rich I don't understand <laughs> how you put can't a sell rating. words we like we did a, a sell rating. You take no principal risk in the public market. Stocks. Like I don't understand how you say this. Like this is what gets people confused and fired up. We do not invest in these stocks. This is okay. So we put but, a sell rate. Only I'm sorry. I get market. so excited. I get so excited, Walter. So excited. It's like I'm. There's nothing as exciting as shorts that go down. Okay. It's so the let me, best feeling. So as you know, I do. Like to, I do like to yes. troll people, even though I'm not going to troll Simon Flannery. So I just went into my and I and I put things in my bookmarks and Twitter. So let me just read you a December 24th, 2020 tweet. I was going to save this for later in the year, but this is from Multi Stock Athlete. He's at multi-stock goat. This is at, dunking on one of your tweets about Fubo. When is this? When this is a hundred dollars end of year, I get to punch you in your very punchable face. Deal? Question mark. <laughs> what, dude? I love I, this. The, the the market is amazing. The market How about is this amazing. one. Bill Manning, long Fubo. Needham is smarter than you, and they have a great <laughs> and they have a great track record. And this one, this guy, this is a blue check mark from Xavier. Com- Oh shit! It just disappeared. Did he just fucking delete it? What? How could he have just deleted? No, no. It's just Twitter was on the men's. But this, there's a blue checkmark guy who's like some LA whatever young dude that was like, I guess trying to like, I don't know, save his life by like investing all of his money in these meme stocks. Where the fuck? Okay, remember the guy who was texting you, Rich? Oh yeah, <laughs> like literally harass. Got Rich's phone number. Was sending him all these like threatening and harassing texts. Rich figured out who the guy was. Okay, texted him. I know who you are. Blah blah blah. And then a few weeks later, he tried to f- link in with Rich on LinkedIn. People <laughs> are amazing. I can't. Sure. I, I literally think the guy just deleted it, and I can't. Believe, I may have already trolled him, but. Sometimes okay, I well, secretly troll them by l- just liking the tweet. Just, hey, I'm here. So we've got Instagram hitting 2 billion users. And John Ehrlichman um, is always great because we're putting together timelines. And what's interesting about this one is it just, it, it's sort of fascinating to think that it took eight years, essentially, for Instagram to get to a billion users on a monthly basis. And it only took three and a half years to get another billion to 2 billion, which they announced earlier this week. But that's actually not what I wanted to talk about on this. What I think is actually most interesting is that TikTok is already up to a billion users and growing like crazy still. And I think it's going to be interesting given the relative speeds. I just think my my guess is TikTok's going to catch up to Instagram a lot faster than people realize. It just, uh, but it does show 
Instagram is still really, really powerful. It's two a billion, beast. Two billion it's users. A beast. And it's double the size of TikTok and multiples of the size of, of Snapchat Snap. and yeah, of everything else. And many multiples the size of Roblox and all well, that of sort of goes to the debate we were having the other day. About. Right. But that goes to the debate we were having the other day of like, sure, IDFA and all this ad targeting that's been hurt by Apple. It's all negative for Facebook, obviously, but Facebook is still better at targeting because they have so much data, global data that nobody else has. They're just it's still a beast. Yeah, that Uh, they just have so much information because they're just so much bigger and so much balance sheet and so much free cash flow generation. And the blue has what, three billion people (laughs) are close to it. The family I know has three billion unique people. I mean, yep. it's it's still pretty powerful. Laugh all you want about Meta and and Mark's metaverse ambitions. They still need to be taken seriously, obviously. So speaking of blue and airlines. I fucking hate this company. Sorry. Segment, go ahead, I mean, it's just make it very hard for me to, to hop in these tweets. But OK, so the, here's blue, the tweet. Blue and airline. Wait, hold on. Blue and airlines was hard. United is blue. No, and it's an airline. Like, Why was like, that so hard? Speaking of this, Walter, like, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you know what I need? I need like a, a transition music button. So like I can hit a button and it just plays or like just, a transition. Or just show the slide. You are doing can... really good segues at the beginning. Yeah. You always no. start off doing really good segues and then your brain kind of like. But then you then you put a lot of synapses. pressure on me. You corn it up so much on my intros to tweets that relate to telco world that I feel a lot of pressure. Um, okay, so <laughs> David Shepherdson, who's a reporter from from Reuters, Reuters, uh, in I guess the airline space, he goes new. <coughs> United CEO Scott Kirby sounds alarm on AT and T Verizon's plans to turn C band wireless spectrum. So this dude from United, who's this? I guess he's the CEO of, of the company. Like basically says. He's going to ground planes if Verizon moves forward with their 5G plan. Quote, coming January 5th, unless something changes, we will not be able to use radio altimeters at 40-something of the largest airports in the country. It is a certainty. This is not a debate. So this is January 5th. When So I looked, and now, granted, it's a partner, but I can buy a United ticket from New York to Tokyo. In Tokyo... They're using this same exact spectrum with even less guard band. And apparently they haven't turned the altimeters off for flights to land in Tokyo. So this guy, so I I just want someone to ask Kirby, the CEO of United Airline. Scott Kirby. Why is he fine with those flights? And and as you know, as we were talking about my trolling before, I look forward to January 5th and see how many flights he actually does ground or delay. I have to say, all his flights are grounded and delayed all the time. Anyway, I as you as you as I bitch to you guys all the time. United is a fucking disaster right now. Why did you ever use that? Why did you ever pick that as an airline? Like, why are you? Why do you have status there? Like, why not go with Delta? No, the reason is because Newark is very close to the west side of Manhattan. Okay. Right. It's a lot closer than going all the way out to JFK. So it's natural. I think I might sooner. also used to be pretty good The ever since the pandemic, especially like the last year. And I've flown a ton in the last year. The quality of the experience has completely dissipated. And how about those Delta flights from Vegas and those, the Delta one, it's amazing. So I might sooner move to the East side than, than (laughs) develop status on just just because, just, just 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 because travel is a constant in our lives. Yes. Um, Maybe honestly. So this is the stat I was, you know, being me and complaining on a flight to um, one of the stewardesses or stewards. And she said to me that Newark Airport in the United Terminal C, they've they now have 25% more traffic going in and out than they had in 2019 pre-pandemic. Yeah. 
So they're kind of cash grabbing, trying to put as, as many flights through Newark as possible. And that's why everything is so screwed no, up. I talked now. to a guy that leases private jets and he was saying that the traffic they're putting on these jets in the past year is like 30% higher. And he's like, dude, you know, they're not getting 30% more maintenance. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> well, they seem to be getting maintenance because there's always a maintenance delay. Even if they, <laughs> even if there's another type of delay, there's also uh, a maintenance delay on every flight. So, okay. That was the United pitch session, right? So United will not be a sponsor of our podcast, but no. Delta or even JetBlue, we welcome your sponsorship for our podcast. Next, I'm still showing my loyalty to them. That was amazing. Next week. Sorry, (laughs) Brandon, this is definitely you. Well, why don't you read it for me, Rich? Oh, because I'm going to screw it up. But okay, Zaptio, R-T-F-K-T, who I assume is the head of R-T-F-K-T. We got acquired by Nike to fuel the digital future with a rocket ship because, of course, if it's... It, emoji because if it's web three or meme or whatever it's got to have a rocket ship <laughs> feels like a dream we started rtfkt which i don't even know what that means inspired by nike two years ago today we merge forces to take the metaverse to a new frontier with two swords crossing yeah this is there's one big takeaway here big brands realize that they have a huge opportunity to sell digital items online whether that's in the metaverse or anywhere across the web, digital okay. ownership is a thing and they need to be a part of it. Period. End of story. Now, Nike did um, have the or launched the rope, the experience in Roblox a couple of weeks ago. Not exactly sure why, but it actually didn't go very well. The amount of traffic in there has been pretty weak from what we've seen um so you can you can build but you need to build experiences that people are excited about and this company actually has built digital or created digital goods that people are excited about so should be and just i think the coolest part of the story is that the founder was inspired by nike was a huge sneakerhead and got to sell to nike on to the next um okay uh, we don't know the price, though. We have no idea how much they paid. No. Okay. Sticking with Web3. Oh, yeah, it is Web3. Yep. Why don't you read this one in the order you'd like? Okay. Um, this is from Toby, CEO of Shopify. Use Shopify for your NFT drops. And then there's a little more color on what that looks like from Robla Jama, who I think is the head of crypto for Shopify. We're taking a blockchain agnostic approach and have had drops on multiple chains like Ethereum Flow, Polygon with more to come. We work closely with several third-party minting app partners to make this happen. So they really launched into beta. I think today is when all these tweets um, started coming across. What's interesting about this is the experience for buying digital goods still or creating them or creating them still takes you to, you have to go to a, a storefront um, mostly happening on OpenSea right now um, to shop for um, NFTs and obviously to bid or buy for them, buy them. Um, there hasn't been any ability for creators to directly sell NFTs without linking out. And now Shopify is doing for the digital world what they um, have done for the physical world, empowering merchants and creators to have their own storefront and to create the experience that they want around merchandising. Um, there are assets, physical or digital, and the ability to mix them. Yeah, look, and I, I just like. Well, but what's interesting is just if I just cut in for a second, like, yeah, Shopify has transformed commerce, right? They've made it so any merchant anywhere in the world can just very easily sell goods online. Like they've just simplified that physical direct, item, physical yep. and item, now digital. And now they're just basically saying, just like Nike, they're trying to combine the two. They're basically just bl- blurring the line between physical and digital and making the experience 
you know, seamless for Shopify. It's, it just feels like a brilliant move for Shopify to expand, to expand the reach and help all of these little companies all around the world who have no idea how to do an NFT, just like they didn't know how to set up a retail store to sell stuff. They're just making all of that processing and all the, you know, the yucky guts and making it easy. And something that we've spoken a lot about is first time I've used yucky on the podcast. There's still a very, very small number of people who have crypto wallets who are buying NFTs and they're actually Shopify is enabling the ability to take fiat um, for your NFTs. Um, And that is another way to get, I know like the purists are pissed off about it, but it's another way to broaden out the, uh, the user base and those who are engaging, um, with the blockchain. So I think that's important. And then just the ability for so many more creators to merchandise them is huge. So, you know, what makes me, makes, um, this little conversation makes me think about, which is is a a recent tweet by uh, Jason Schreier. Who's a Bloomberg reporter, <laughs> which now currently has. I thought we were going to use this as the last tweet. Well, no, it's just it just this Read really it. triggered we this triggered this this memory for me because and by the way, this memory now has twenty eight hundred retweets, nineteen thousand likes, and ninety seven quote tweets, and and it says, Omicron presents a tremendous challenge. Do you go out and risk getting COVID, or stay on the internet and risk hearing people talk about NFTs? <laughs> I would definitely go outside. I mean, it's well, I think go you outside. could at least watch it wear a KN95 or an N95. Oh, just because I'm so <laughs> sick and tired of NFTs. Like, I just have, like, it's, it's a numbs. But we're all sick and tired of COVID as well, though, Rich. Yeah, so, that's true. That's go. true. Now, oh, well, there's lots of discussion of NFTs and crypto on Reddit, and Reddit had some big news this week. They're going public, which is obviously the least. You know, it's not like a secret in the sense that they hired Drew Valero, who helped take Snapchat public. Uh, he left several years ago, but essentially hiring a public company CFO was a you know clear, pretty clear tell that what Reddit's ambitions were. And Michael were. Guido as from Investor Relations, who went over there from WWE and we're a super fan of as well. Um, but you look, Reddit is interesting because it's been around a very long time. This is not a new company. But Reddit was really hard to use. It sort of reminds me in many ways, Brandon, of a lot of the criticisms we had of Twitter in the early days. Like it had a syntax of like things that you had to understand. It was very hard to use. They've made it easier. They've a lot of people's never... problems with Web3 right now as well. Yep. And early snap. And exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. And snap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be interesting, you know, as they become a public company. Do they have to clean up some of the racier content on the service? It's definitely, you know, look of the public companies. It's the one that has by far probably the most not safe for work content. Um, How does that affect advertising revenue? That's yeah, exactly. Question coming out onto the on the Joe Rogan still on Spotify, right? Um, Joe Rogan is still on Spotify. That is just checking. And then the other thing I I think is. Like where does the traffic come into Reddit? Is I I think most of it still I could be mistaken comes in from Google search and isn't like Reddit itself isn't a massive destination for a lot of people. So. Well, they haven't made it easy to discover content, right? I mean, I don't think the average person knows what a subreddit is. Like, if I were to ask my mom, what's a subreddit? She's got no idea. Like, I think she comprehends tweets. I mean, I don't think she's using Twitter actively, but she understands the concept. I don't think a subreddit is something that is, you know, palatable. And so they've got to figure out how they make it easier and easier. Hopefully, the, you know, whatever capital From they raise. UX, UI. Yeah, the US and UI has to get easier. Just like I, the, the analogy I made earlier today to someone was, Think about Twitter going from following people, meaning they want to follow media stocks, they follow Rich Greenfield or Brandon Ross, to in the future, they would just follow media companies as an interest or a topic on Twitter. You got to make it easier for people to understand how to get the information they want. And I think that's going to be a big, that's going to be a big focus, I assume, post-IPO for Reddit. Also um, interested in how the IPO market 
is for them at this point with all anybody with all these growth names really selling off it's obviously been extremely difficult um for for the spac names buzzfeed being kind of the recent poster child and we'll we'll see how it goes for um uh for reddit who has a real ipo and is actually a real great amazing product despite the um criticism. i still get tremendous value out of yeah, reddit like, totally it, it, it takes effort it really does but if you follow the right accounts like you want to understand cord cutting like there's lots of stuff that gets posted on you know r slash cord cutting way before it shows up elsewhere like it's definitely a fascinating location for you know finding data points but it's just not easy no. so um speaking of our good friend joe rogan oh uh you know because you spoke of the you know you brought it up walt so the tweet oh, was sort of laid out perfectly context, but go on. It, it is but mitch joel tweets out uh, blue check mark mitch joel tweets out the state of podcast advertising want to advertise on joe rogan <laughs> podcast through that, spotify that, mitch joel has a very handsome head what it's got a big head head, head. It's, Why he's got a handsome? very he's bald he, 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 it's a very handsome skull that he has there. I just noticed in this profile. <laughs> what are you talking about? What's that this handsome is going, this skull? Is, this Whoever is going Mitch off the Joel rails. Is, this is off the rails. My hat's off to you. And you might have to edit this part out. Why? Want to advertise on Joe Rogan podcast through <laughs> Spotify. The minimum spend is a million dollars. And basically this article in The Verge was all about how rates for Spotify's exclusive podcasts are starting to really go up like two and three X and it's getting more and more expensive. And it just, again, a big theme on this podcast has been the Spotify advertising opportunity is very large. Just like the way people got excited about the Roku connected TV ad story, not enough people are paying attention to the Spotify advertising. It's been a subscription story for so long and the ad piece is getting really interesting and really large. And I just thought, big increase in rates for some of their top shows just sort of gives you that feel of like it's starting it's very early but it's starting to become a real business well there's your margin expansion opportunity absolutely and there's not sharing with the labels of, and there's your example of how edgy content can also be monetized getting back to the reddit conversation from yeah a few minutes well, no. ago i mean look who are Brand the top safety. two people on spotify who are the top two podcasters joe rogan and Alexandra Light Cooper for for oh. no well, Lightshed is now on Spotify to be clear, but we are not a top podcast on Spotify. No, we are a top podcast. We're just not the most engaged podcast. <laughs> correct, but only because we're behind a paywall. That's yes. correct. <laughs> that is correct, Brandon. You are right, but we are not edgy enough. I think we need to push the envelope a little. Why don't bit more. we Go have on. advertising Next. on the Lightshed podcast? We have um, a very well, Delta, anyone from Delta that's listening or have connections there, we've already endorsed you as a product. So that that's a good fit. Yeah, um, despite the fact that I said I'm still gonna fly United. <laughs> I think I think previously on podcasts I've talked about my pissed. Max Weldon underwear. So th- that could also I think, be a good I think Marv Marvel should be an advertiser. Mar- you're like their Disney? number one yeah, fan. Absolutely. Marvel. I, I agree. I agree. I think Marvel, like you, you're a super I fan. I use Calvin Klein underwear. So yeah, you should try Mac Weldon, dude. They're they're really? I, I, yeah. I've been using better. the same underwear for like twenty five. Underwear, years. not uh, yeah. the exact I, I, same pairs. But... I'm a me undies fan, to be personal. So wait a minute, you know did you see the <laughs> did you see the Larry David where that where his chiropractor was wearing the holy underwear? So is that what you're saying? You've got the. Okay, right. talk about edgy okay. programming. What, yeah. is, Larry, okay. what is holy underwear? HBO. Okay, we're moving on. God what? bless you for Larry David and continuing to provide edgy Larry David curb your enthusiasm content yeah, I was gonna that, say, that you call is. it by its name well it's him it's the it's basically the larry david show so but curb is amazing go on rich the verge sticking with the verge they have an article out from the other day earlier in the week saying best buy pulls tcl google tvs amid complaints of slow buggy software so two of the big models of tcl google remember we were waiting for tcl to launch uh, and move from Android TVs to the new Google TV interface. They launched them earlier this year. And here we are in the middle of the holiday season, which should be peak time for shipping TVs and Best Buy's pulling SKUs of Google TVs because the software is slow and buggy. And so 
I, I think it's interesting, Brandon, because we've been talking about sort of the threat to Roku from Amazon getting into the TV business and Google pushing yep. sort of it's, a it's new weird. OEM. This is, this is what's weird to me. Is it just a there are still kinks to work out because I, you know, Android and now Google TV has been the operating system on Sony for a very long time. Um, why is it that it can't work with TCL? <clears throat> I don't know the answer to that. It's a good question, though. I've got a None, different... Nonetheless, it's a pu- it's a plus for Roku. Sorry, Walt. No, that's okay. I just have a different question. Who goes into a Best Buy and buys a TV? I guess Everyone. they could buy it online. Really? Yeah, I mean, I Amazon. Mean, every I've I've, won, I've I've purchased approximately four TVs. I think in the last two to three years, Amazon's amazing, dude. The prices. You just do a little research, find out who's got the best picture. But- Order on Amazon, deliver to your your house. A lot of people like to see the TVs that they're going to buy. They all look the same. You go to the Best Buy, they literally all look the same. No, they don't. (sighs) Okay. Sony has that much more natural. Dude, they they put, so when they have all these different HD, UHD, you put them right next. Like if you look right next to each other, maybe you can see a difference. But if they put those TVs five away from each other no one can tell the difference between these different qualities like you know what's actually interesting because i've read studies about this most people when they go into a best buy and look at the screens to select one to buy assuming like similar price points buy the one whose brightness is turned up right but 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 if you on every tv setting if you go to the um I forget what they call it, but basically the store setting, they crank up the brightness. So like, again, you're an idiot because if you're buying based on the, the lighting in the store, as opposed to what your living room is going to be like, but whatever, I'm, I digress. Are, in are terms most of people like, idiots? Well, in certain elements <laughs> of what they're doing, they do not make good decisions. And, and that's a good example of one. And you're probably right that people get you know, get excited about the brightness of a TV, but that's why you should just trust the experts and buy online and have it delivered to your house. And you'll never know the difference anyway, because it'll look great in your house. My personal favorite, the LG OLED, phenomenal. Everyone loves it. The audio is terrible. You're going to have to get a sound bar. But if you want to get a new TV, get the LG OLED. Which is what Brandon makes me buy. You're welcome. No, I, buy, I buy the Sony OLED. Sony, the user interface for Sony is great. But dude, the, the LG OLED is just oh, beautiful. Really? Yeah, and it's so thin. It's like oh. a pa- it's like paper thin. You won't be disappointed. Get your loved one one for Christmas. LG, if you'd like to be a sponsor of our podcast, <laughs> by all means. We'll or Sony. Or Sony. Or Sony. So our final slide of the night is Peloton, which seems like it continually has always finds a way to ruin good moments so <laughs> in 2021 I, they had a great 2020 the 21 has been a disaster for that company you know you know the er the character like or the animated character and it's like <laughs> there's just like this dark cloud that sort of follows peloton and even when they try to make really good moves it still doesn't work out for them so like let's just walk through the progression of what happened this week so this is from rob price blue check mark rob price Peloton's marketing team agreed to provide HBO with an exercise bike as a prop for its new Sex in the City show. But HBO didn't tell Peloton that one of the Sex in the City characters would die of a heart attack right after riding the bike. Stock was down sharply on Monday. People were talking about sort of how bad this was, like Peloton caused heart attacks. I mean, it was just horrible to have a high profile. I can't believe HBO the launch. stock was down because of that. That, that is kind of sad. I think there were other things going on. Sure. Um, the market was weak. But but the fact is Peloton actually reacted beautifully. They did exactly what they what you should do, which is marketing team scrambles and actually creates a response ad sort of trolling the whole show. And basically, the, this is the Ad Age article or Ad Age tweet on it. On Sunday afternoon, Peloton released 38-second commercial that shows Chris Knott, the character that died, who plays Mr. Big, enjoying a romantic evening beside the fire with Jess King, the Peloton instructor who was leading the workout as the character Allegra, basically showing that, like, you know, he didn't really die. Everything was fine and sort of making fun of the whole thing and sort of just reacting to the news, which was a brilliant move by Peloton. The bad news was 
Chris Noth got canceled a few days later. And so just earlier today, Peloton deletes the Chris Noth spoof ad following sexual assault allegations. And it just, you literally can't make this up. No, you, you can't make it up at all. And I think that's what's so crazy is that just when it looked like they made the right move, it blows up on them. And I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just. They're just uh, one of many who can't wait for 2021 to be over. So right, once, so you basically once again spoiled a show by telling everyone that Mr. Big <laughs> is now dead. I think that was out. I episode. think that was out there. Well, I think I mean, that was we, all over got, Twitter. We've gotten this complaint before on our podcast about spoiling content. So, by the way, I've just learned that my daughter is going to go to Spider-Man tonight. So she's excited about that primarily because her brother. How did she her, get tickets? How did she get tickets? I don't know. Just online, I guess. I mean, it's the, you can go tonight, I think. So anyway, so her brother, her twin brother, is a super fan of Spider-Man. Like it's, like it's his favorite character. So now she's basically just trolling him on our family chat about going to Spider-Man first in the theater. Yes, you know it's not Marvel, yes. right, Walt? <laughs> it's still his favorite character. I'm just saying. It is Marvel. What do you mean? It is Marvel. It's just not. It's, Marvel Mar- it's not Disney Marvel. It's just not Disney Marvel. It's Marvel. Sony Marvel. But Marvel. Disney still has artistic direction over it. Like and Kevin Feige still and, works on it. And props no, for Peloton does. for staying in the news. Yeah. He totally does. That's how they create sort of the seamless integration of characters in the universe. So yeah, oh, there's really? definitely involvement. I mean, it's still Sony's movie, to be fair. And it, look, it's going to go to stars. Like it's going to go through theatrical. It's going to go to home video and then it's going to go to stars in 75 or 100 days. It doesn't go to Disney Plus. It literally goes to stars because that's where that deal is currently, the output deal is currently is. Just to show you how aggravating it is for consumers that you never know what to find where, even in 2021. What? I know you didn't understand <laughs> that. I know it's I just did, too complicated. I, 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 You're, I yeah, I know. I did understand it. You're trolling me now, or you're just being a jerk. But either what? way, I still love you. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you her uh, review next week. And, and I want a crowd report. I want to know how packed the theater was, not just the review of the movie. Well, maybe I'll also go to the mall and give you the crowd report in the Peloton st- store in the Westchester Mall. Why, why the you still go to the mall? The Westchester Mall, yes. Walt, Walt's a suburbanite. He loves malls. Yeah. That's what people do on weekends. That's like an activity. Crate and barrel. I needed some. I needed some go to the uh, Christmas decorations. Center. Definitely not the Palisade Center. Too much traffic. Way too much traffic. Well, I don't know, guys. I think that's a wrap on episode eighty-five. I mean, have a great, have a great week. Enjoy. Bye. Great weekend. That's that. Everyone. Later. We'll uh, see you week. back for the Christmas episode. Hopefully we'll have jingle bells and followed by the New Year's episode and 21 fish. All right. 21 fish and then four fish. Whatever. Bye. (laughs)